Hello and welcome to This is Ibrix, the Rangers podcast Shut up and sit down Hello and welcome to episode 4 of This is Ibrox, the Rangers podcast. My name is Martin Douglas, I'm your usual host. And joining me on the pod tonight we have Scott. Hi Martin, good evening, how you doing? Not bad mate, not bad mate. We've got Thomas. Hi there Martin, good evening to all. And we've got Wally. Alright guys, how are we doing? Hi Wally. Now, in the background we've been looking for uh, musicians and artists to send us in their music for us to play out on the pod. And I believe, Wally, that you've managed to procure one. I thanks, Martin. Yeah, we found uh, Damien Hendry, who's 32. He's been a lifelong Rangers supporter. Um, he was born in Glasgow and he's uh, been writing his own music since the age of 15. Um, and he produces his own songs and music under um, the Ocean of You, uh, bandcamp.com. His song, Higher and Higher, will play us out at the end of the, the night. Although it's not actually... A Rangers song, the version we've got has been a kind of version for Rangers and uh, he hoped it was going to kind of be an anthem for the Gerrard era, promise, pride and hopefully in time a return to glory. Aye, that's that's brilliant, Wally, and that song, higher and higher, like you say, plays out at the end of the pod. Right, gents, let's get into things and I thought I would start off, Scott, by talking about the 25th anniversary of the sad passing of if not the greatest Scottish player ever, certainly one of them, and uh, David Cooper. Yeah, I think the um, sort of the week sort of brought back a lot of uh, memories about Cooper. I, I remember when um, we found out about it. I was at the school, um, and just utter disbelief when it happened. Um, really, sort of shock, horror, um, all the obvious things that you associate with, with grief I think because he was he turned it back to a football perspective because he was someone that we we all sort of um, enjoyed watching play football so much everyone was really aware about how much it meant for him to play for Rangers um, and without sounding sort of silly about it um, I, I, guys like that you'll probably never see again playing for Rangers, technically he was absolutely superb I sadly missed. You just wonder what um, Scottish football lost that day in general. The Rangers family lost someone who everyone who followed the club uh, looks up to. But you just wonder what he could have offered to Scottish football as he grew older, um, whether it's passing on his experience to youth levels, growing up, etc. Um, I think anything you hear about him would, would maybe suggest that he was now a great communicator. But um, if you could just take five minutes to, to try and teach some of the skills that he had to some of these budding footballers that we, we see these days growing up. It, he's, he's a huge loss to the game in this country, a huge loss. I'll never see anyone like him again. No, absolutely. And Thomas, it's it was widely joked that he only had one foot, but he had some football brain and some phenomenal talent. Oh, absolutely. You know, sometimes um, picking up on what as Scott was saying there as well, sometimes when, when players pass away, we've got a tendency to put a screen of nostalgia over it and we, we make them slightly better than they are. That's only human, it's only natural. 
David Cooper was the real deal, and that technical ability, letting the ball do the work, um, is actually a sadly a, a lost art, particularly in Scotland, and we've seen that in the Scottish national team. But yeah, an absolute phenomenal talent, and yeah, a real tragic tragic loss for everybody connected with the game. I think there was a real level of respect from him. Um, and just to pick up on what Scott was saying there as well about the, being a communicator, I think sometimes for, for these people who are so good, who've got that artistry and that talent, it's hard to impart it because things come naturally to them without a second thought. And trying to teach that to somebody when there's not an, any amount of ability is, is hard. But my God, what a player. Aye, yeah. definitely. And, and Wally, I know that me and you were unfortunately too young to see him play, but I'm, I'm sure the same as me, you've seen the, all the videos and highlights of him on YouTube and stuff like that. Yeah, Martin, that's right. The, the goal against Celtic kind of sticks out in my memory. Um, seeing it in my dad's VHS tapes, I think there's half a dozen. Um, just the other day when Alan McCoy was speaking, his free kick against Aberdeen, I think it was, he, he said it was the hardest shot he's ever street seen struck. Um, it's kind of hard to argue when you watch back the, the YouTube clips. Aye, definitely. And, and like I say, I just wish I had been uh, old enough to see him play. But um, no, it's, it, it's it's still still sad to this day and we still miss him. If, right, if we move on and the boss Adam put a wee thing on Twitter the other day, step up and play. It was the for, formations, a team, and you had to guess the game and you had to guess what manager it was now. Scott, could you tell me the name? Uh, could you name me the team? Uh, I could name you some of the team. <laughs> <laughs> um, so it was originally. I actually thought it was McGregor in goal. I think he was on the bench that day. Um, so I'm sure Alexander started. It was a back four of Whitaker, Weir, Bugera, and Sasa. Uh, across the middle, it was. Naismith, Spitz, Davis, Edu, and I had to think about this for a wee while, but I, I eventually realised it was Greg Wilde that played on the left side that day. And up front, unusually, it was um, Ken Lafferty and Jelovic, who was just God, wasn't he, at that point? A decent that, 11, you have to say, a very decent start 11. To be fair, Scott, that sounded like the full team. It didn't sound like some of them, but... No, well, no. I, I just I'm a, a quick research, Martin. You know it's great. <laughs> <laughs> He's going to give us something a minute as well. <laughs> and Wally, who was the manager? Uh, Walter Smith. Well, it wasn't him. It was McCoy's because he took the cup final. And you've just mm. gave it. You've just gave it away. But Thomas, what was the game? Uh, that would have been the uh, 2011 Scottish League Cup final, which I believe, and I'm happy to hear anything for anybody who thinks different, we won. <laughs> I said, well, I kind of disagree with you because we won 2-1. There you go. Have you got any memories of the game, Scott? The thing I remember about it, the, the obvious thing that I think everyone will remember about it was the pass from uh, Vladimir Weiss. Never started the game. Um, the pass that he made through to Jelovic for what was the winning goal um, was was a great goal. Um, I actually thought on the day, I thought it was a really scrappy final from what I can remember. Now, it was obviously a long, long time ago, but from what I can remember, it wasn't really great as, as far as the contest was concerned. Um, ultimately, we were just glad to beat them. Um, and it's, it's as simple as that. We've done that in the end. Um, I don't think there was a lot of games that uh, 
Lafferty and Jelovic started up front together. Uh, probably something for anyone listening to, to check that out if they want as far as research is concerned. But I'm, I'm almost certain that they never played up front together a lot. It's almost, it was like very rarely you get the two big men starting up front type thing, you know. Um, but no, it was, listen, it was, it was just great to beat them in the end. Um, and as I say, Jelovic's winner was was well worth it. His celebration was cracking as well, wasn't it? Aye, the, the biggest thing that sticks in my mind is um, seeing Neil Lennon dressed up like a mental patient. He's, oh, he's crazy. But uh, Thomas, at that point in time, there was a lot of talk around Vladimir Vice signing for Rangers. Well, yeah, there was an, a game absolutely spot on. It's a great spot by by Vice, but it's also a great run by Elvich, the two of them, you know, in sync. And uh, yeah, I think Vice had came on after the 90th minute, if I, if I recall correctly. I think it was really late on. He came off the bench. But um, I think there was that. A, I, th- I think I recall Vice scoring a pretty good goal against Motherwell, where he kind of checked inside 18 yard box, cut down the outside of two defenders. And then kind of rolled the ball into the far corner by by the keeper. Beyond that, um, flattered to deceive, in all honesty. Uh, and I know there's a lot of the, the Twitter loyal might might call me on that because he is resurrected every now and again as being somebody who wanted to come out of the Middle East and sign for us. Um, but aye, he was all right. But he was he was never a great great player. Um, but hey, hats off to him that day because that's an absolutely phenomenal pass. No, it was, it was. And Wally, I think the reason a lot of fans took to him was because I think he took to the club as well. A, a, a bit like um, Nacho Novo in a way, where he was in, in the crowd celebrating when Rangers were playing and stuff like that. I think that's why a lot of people took to him. Yeah, I think so, yeah. I think he kind of he looked good on the ball sometimes as well. He's a bit kind of fancy, but um, I, I don't think his, his stats were particularly great. Where was that? Is Ryan Kent esque? Anyway, um, and I think was seven million though. <laughs> no, he did not. Um, Scott, I think was that our last trophy? Yes, two thousand and eleven. Goodness me. Jeez, Jeez. it's quite <clears> worrying. <throat> it's quite worrying. Anyway, so we'll move on for that, and just quickly, because it's not somebody that I like to talk about that much. But big bad John Hartson's been in the news again. And he says that it would be common sense for Rangers to concede the title to Celtic. Now, Thomas, we've been speaking for the last couple of weeks on this pod that there are far more important things going on in the world right now. And then you hear somebody coming out with a statement like that. Well, well yeah, I mean, there's quite a bit to, to, to unpack with that, though. I mean, you're right, there's a, a global pandemic. There is the potential for you know clubs going to the wall. There is people who aren't well-paid footballers losing their losing their jobs and their incomes. There's you know less-paid in- uh, players in Scotland losing their incomes as well. But none of that can be allowed to touch on the fact that there's a Celtic narrative here that ultimately whatever the decision shakes out as, Celtic have to be given either the trophy or a de facto um, title because they need to have this nine in a row. No matter what happens, the title's going to be asterisk anyway because you're either not going to finish the season or whatever. But for Hartson, who's essentially just essentially a tap that Celtic can turn on and off and, and spew whatever is fed into his, the back of his head, um, to come away and say, listen, Rangers would gain credit. It's, I mean, it's nonsense of the highest calibre, but unsurprising for someone like John Hartson. But you'll probably find that there's more of that 
comes out from other ex-Celtic players. Although I did notice that Charlie Nicholas um, obviously didn't get the memo because he came out and said that it, it wouldn't be um, the right thing to, to hand the title over. So uh, somebody has to get the uh, the Celtic media team in a room uh, and bash heads together to make sure the narrative sticks. Obviously there wasn't enough money floating about for, for Nicholas. Um, see if it was the other way around, Willie, right? Would you feel comfortable being handed the title at this point? I know it's great to be crowned champions going for nine in a row, but with everything that's going on and the league positions as they are, would you be happy to just be given the title? <clears throat> Probably not, no. Um, just, as you said, the dolls have the asterisk next to it. And the, the opposition fans, you know, you know what we're like, we're at each other's throats and I don't think it would obviously not go down well. Um, and you kind of want to see the season played out and you'd rather win it and deserve it at the end of, at the, end of the day. No, absolutely, Scott. And I, and I think that's what a lot of people have been coming out and saying. that We want this season to be finished. We don't want it to be null and void and just thrown away in the gutter. I think the majority of fans would like to see the season finished. Yeah, of course. I mean, listen, there's a, there's a huge difference between winning the league and being given the league. Um, and what John Hartson is suggesting is that Celtic are given the league to suit whichever happy clapping agenda he's been passed to promote in the, the media up here. It's ridiculous that even they'd print, to be perfectly honest. Um, there's still mathematically a chance that someone else in this country can win the league for there to be a suggestion that it should be passed to them for um, just to be good guys is nonsense, absolutely nonsense. And I'll pick up on the the point you put to Willie there. You want to win your league, of course you do, but you want to win it and you want to know that you've you've done the old sort of blood, sweat and thunder to get there by getting a, a title with an asterisk next to it. Particularly in the current climate, Tommy's right, there's far more important things going on just now rather than arguing whether Celtic get the nine in a row that they... Uh, are so desperate to get their, their paws on. It's a nonsensical suggestion by John Hartson. He should never have made the, the press up here, frankly. Uh, if I can add one thing to that, Martin, because I think, uh, you know, Scott's absolutely spot on, but just, just one thing to nail as well, because it's becoming uh, ever more prevalent on social media, this uh, analogy of, of putting this, the Celtic's position with Liverpool's position in the EPL. Liverpool are 25 points ahead, uh, and I don't think they have... Any, I don't think any of their games remaining were up against their nearest rival. Uh, and just to you know, flesh out what Scott was saying there as well, Celtic had to play us twice. The nearest rival. We're only talking about 13 points with a game in hand here. That's another yeah. six on the table before you start to get into a, a fight with teams who are in the top six. So this is, you know, 13 sounds a lot, but actually in a, in a game where it's three points for a win and you have to play your nearest rival twice, that's not a hell of a lot. Um, if we'd have played the Sunday game you know, we could be even talking about less points here. So the, the narrative of comparing like for like with the Liverpool does not stand up, should not stand up and will not stand up. And and correct me if I'm wrong, but I don't think there's been a single person from Liverpool that have come out and said we deserve a title. But then it's, it's standards, isn't it? I know. John Hartson, what a twat. Anyway, let's move on. Um, I thought because obviously we've not had a, any football at all to discuss... I thought we would discuss our loan players, both players out on loan and players we have on loan at the club. Now, I've got extensive notes on everybody, Wally, and then I wrote down Shiojo. He started kind of off, not too bad, I don't think. I think he showed some early promise, but 
it's kind of petered out, and he's kind of I don't know. He's 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 not done a, a was it Ojaria? He's not done what Ojaria done and just chucked it. Yeah, the first part of the season, so he's kind of trying to stick it out and ride it out and see what happens. You've got to give him credit for doing that, but he's not affecting games at all, to be honest, in Europe or in the league. I know he's scored the goal against Feyenoord, but just before he done that, I think everything that was, ha- was happening just wasn't working for him. And I think I turned around and said to my mate while we were there, I says, don't shoot, and he shot, he scored. So that's the kind of opinions I have and how much salt you should take from it. <laughs> Thomas, like Wally says, he's had a couple of moments, but apart from that, he hasn't really contributed. No, no, you're absolutely spot on there. And I think you, you tend to know what you're getting with a uh, with a lone player, and he's very much in that Ajaria mode in terms of um, the fans haven't really taken to him, and he's not really been able to deliver on a consistent basis. I think he's played something like 19 times for us, or whatever, scored that one um, amazing, amazing goal as well. I might, I might be off with some of those numbers there, but um, ultimately, I think I'd said in a, in a piece I'd written on the website as well that you know he can be filed under F for Feyenoord frustrating and fired back to Liverpool, uh, and I, I tend to stand by that. He's uh, no doubt working hard in training. Uh, I'm not entirely sure if you play him out wide or you try and play through the middle with his pace and all that, like against Braga when he came off the bench. Ultimately, when he's a development player for Liverpool. Uh, he's not really worked here, and we'll send him back. It's simple as that. The annoying thing is, Scott, like with so many young players that you see, he cl- he does clearly have loads of potential. Yeah, absolutely. I think you're talking about a guy who's a, he's a classic confidence player, isn't he? All these guys tend to play on either wing, in my experience, and um, if their confidence is low, then they just look rotten. It's as simple as that. Listen, Shea Ojo came up with reasonable promise I remember sort of reading bits and pieces about him uh, sort of pre-season at the start of this season and um, the, the general suggestion was he would be as good if not better than Ryan Kent and I think after the way last season ended everyone was quite happy the fact that he'd be joining us the reality is he's going to go back to Liverpool in the summer um, and he's listen he's played for the, the world's most successful club so he should be really grateful but other than the the, the goal he scored against Feyenoord, he has nearly um, pulled up trees, so to speak. Um, but at least he can go back down the road knowing that he played for Rangers. I know, it's it's sad because he has the pace, he has the strength, he has the potential, but like you say, confidence player and he's just not been brave enough for me. Um, now, if we move really on to some... Sorry, you, don't, you, go, sorry, you, you, you don't really get the time to develop, I don't think, here at Rangers, especially in the circumstances we're in. Do you know, I think you're, I think there's a, a real point there. And if you were to compare, not jumping ahead of you, Martin, but uh, just in a, a kind of broad uh, painting sense, if you compare the reputation that somebody comes with and the way they interact really quickly, Shea Yojo strikes me as quite a quiet person. He doesn't have the big personality. He doesn't have um, something to hang his hat on. You compare that to somebody like Yanis uh, Haji, who's got a name and comes up and, you know, makes a few good statements like a tiebreak baby. Fans buy into that stuff, maybe get a little bit more leery when parties go astray. No, absolutely. And like you say, Hadji came in and we got on to Hadji, but Ojo really only had that one moment against Feyenoord and since then he's he's just not cut it. But like I was saying earlier, we'll move on to Defoe. Now, I know Defoe has signed for next season, but Scott, what's your thoughts on Defoe as a whole? I think he's been a... He's, he, well, he's clearly been a 
really, really good professional to have around the club. Um, I think for the first six months of this season, um, I think he was particularly good for Alfredo Morelos. You can't help but wonder if the the influence he's had around some of the younger guys getting involved in the first team training um, has been quite prevalent as well. Don't forget, and I've, I've said this before, some of these guys would have grown up idolising almost Jermaine Defoe, getting Jermaine Defoe stickers, Jermaine Defoe posters, etc. And next thing he's getting changed, next time in the changing room. Huge for young guys. That influence has to pay off in them. I think he's a, a really shrewd, um, it is rather a really shrewd move for the club to get him for another season. What you'll get out of him next season, frankly, who knows? Really, who knows? Um, but I think to have him around the club um, will absolutely be beneficial for the strikings and the striking options, rather, that Stephen Gerrard has for next season. And, well, I like Scott says there, having them around the club's great, and no matter what age he is, he will score goals. Yeah, I think so. He's just a, a kind of, he's always been able to find the, the back of the net from pretty much anywhere inside that 18-yard box. I think if we have to get the best out of him, especially at the age is, we need to kind of go to up top. I don't know if that's maybe an option for whenever next season happens. But, uh, yeah, I think he's influenced amongst the young boys, especially is it Dapo Mabudi. Um, he seems to kind of call. I think his uncle he calls him. So I think they've got like a good bond, and, and hopefully, you know, he could teach him a thing or two, and hopefully, he comes through, and hopefully, the same with a couple of the other young boys. And Thomas, obviously, it'll be back up for next season, or do you do you see him realistically holding down a first team position, depending, of course, on what happens with. Alfredo Morelos and, and Canberra, who we're going to come on to, but you, you can't expect the four to play a huge number of games, especially at 38. Yep, um, is, the, is the sharp answer there. Um, so to the exclusion of what might happen with uh, Alfredo Morelos and, and Florian Canberra or anybody stepping up from the, the reserves, there's no way that you're looking at Jermaine Defoe as your main striking option. Uh, I think it's absolutely right to say that he is he offers more than just the player on the pitch. There is that wealth of experience, that pseudo-coaching in the background with players in the first team like Alfredo, who's still young and raw, but also people developing up. I think if he can stay relatively fit and he uh, can be used uh, in a smart way, so I don't think he's the type of guy you want to be playing on you, uh, you know, these uh, artificial pitches, for example. He seems to look after himself really well. But I think if Jermaine Defoe jumps in next season and supports with somewhere between 15 and 25 goals, you would be absolutely delighted. Defoe's second in the, the goal scorers, and he's been used sparingly. So, you know, his, his quality's there, and hopefully we get that next season. Right, well, we've already mentioned him, so let's move on to him. Florian Camberry. Thomas, we haven't had much time to really judge him, but for what we have seen, he looks lively and he looks like he wants to be here. He does, he does, uh, and I certainly think he, he looks like a, a player. I've thought that when he was at Hibs as well, it has to be said. Um, I think he's got a lot of talent and he's, he's still really, really young. Um, certainly really performed well uh, in the Braga game the other night. I thought his physical presence, but also his ability on the ball is, is really good. He's another one who's made it absolutely clear, probably to the detriment of his Hibs contract, that he does not want to go back to, to Easter Road and he wants to be at Rangers. He's making a big play for it. Depending on, I think, uh, if I know from the, the rumours that were kicking about social media and in the news uh, papers, that Hibs wanted somewhere in the region of £2 million for him. 
that that does seem a bit high for me. If we could get that down, then I think he's definitely somebody you take a punt on. Scott, is he is he good enough for you? I think he is good enough. I'll, I'll, I'll explain one of the reasons that I think that. Gerard kind of seems content on playing this three up top with a spearhead, i.e. Morelos, two guys either side, not necessarily playing as wingers, but playing as sort of balls tens, if you like, just playing off a top man. Camberry's played that role at Hibs since he arrived in Scottish football, not playing as the main focus up top, but playing as someone coming in from either side, more often than not coming in from an opposition right back. I think he plays that role better than anyone else that we've seen playing that role so far this season, Ibrox, Ryan Kent included. I think that Gerrard will try and make the move permanent in the summer. If not, I'm going to absolutely hose myself when he goes back to Easter Road in the summer because they are not going to like it one bit. <laughs> Aye, that's a fair point. I know, I was I was at the St Johnston game, the two-each game, and he came on and totally, totally turned the game round. Absolutely. Um, Wally, do you think Gerrard will keep him? Do you think he's a Gerrard-type player? Um, I don't know. I don't really know if we've seen enough of Gerrard to see if we know what kind of players he really likes. Um, if you were to go off his, um, his own career, then maybe no, because he was never really flashy. He was always kind of, you know... Nice and simple, and then maybe the long ball over the top for, for the striker to go into. But um, I don't think it would be a bad thing if Kimberry stayed because I think he has showed an awful lot of um, went well he's played in the short times he has played. He's been kind of energetic, but then again, he's he's nailed himself in the foot with the, the whole Hibs thing, um, and he's pretty much playing for his future. Because if it's if it's nowhere else, it's definitely somewhere else in the summer. I think as well, Martin. Sorry, on you guys. Well, on you go, on you go, Scott. You started. I think what I was going to say is, we we both the guys that we've just covered, the Jermaine Defoe and Camberry, so much of what happens next season with them is so dependent on what happens with Morelos in the summer. So if Morelos does leave in the summer, do we rely on any of these guys as being first choice strikers? Um, it's maybe a point for another podcast, frankly. But um, I think the the reliance of those two guys will be very much dependent on what Alfredo does in the summer. So the only uh, point I was going to add is a bit of a, a kind of Columbo here, just one more thing. Um, and I'm happy to pin my calls to the mast with Scott's question there in that the answer is absolutely not. not neither Jermaine Defoe nor Florian Camberry is a first-choice striker, in my opinion. Um, but yeah, you're right, a, a conversation maybe for another pod there. But just Florian Camberry also fits a bit of the, the player trading aspect. He's a guy who's, what, 25, 24-25, had been uh, Swiss under-20, 20, under-21 international, never broke into the, the full squad, but a bit like a, a Joe Aribo with Nigeria, if he was to come into Rangers, get a bit more exposure, maybe score a few goals in the Europa League or CL or whatever, there's every chance that you've got a resale value there as well because he's still in that you know mid-20s bracket. So from a player trading perspective, there's a benefit there as well. All right, then we'll see as it's one that's a bit less definitive than, than, than say, Ojo. One more answer from you is not, would you keep him? Will Gerard keep him? Willie? Yeah. Thomas? Yeah. Scott? Yes. And I'll go no, just to be different. <laughs> just uh, get it up, please. <laughs> <laughs> right, now, we, we spoke about this last week very briefly but obviously because Scott had better things to do uh, <laughs> we'll, t- we'll touch on Hadji now Scott 
he's shown in his quality in Europe, and he hasn't really had much of a chance to show his quality in the SPFL, but at £4 million, would you be willing to take the risk in signing him? 100%. 100%. Why wouldn't you? The guy was one of the shining lights in the Under-21 Championships that have just recently passed. Since he arrived here, I think you've seen more than enough to suggest that he would be uh, a, a first-teamer if you like, for next season. Listen, I think if they can get him for as low as £4 million, and again, it sort of ties in with what Tommy said earlier on about um, potential resale value, because let's be honest, if they come here, they're not going to spend their career here, particularly if they arrive at early 20s. They're going to try and boost themselves up, carry a reputation, and then move on. That's just the way of it. We need to understand that. If we can get Hadji for £4 million, keep him for a couple of years, and then move him on for double that, goodness me, why not? And Thomas, there's been some chat coming out from Hadji himself saying that he wants to come back here and he wants to sign for us. Your opinion on Hadji again? No brainer. Uh, I agree with, agree with Scott there. Uh, pretty much in everything he's saying as well. We've spoken about the, the player trading. There's definitely quality there. Not only did he have a great under 21 tournament, but he's also a full Romanian international. People sometimes forget that. I think there's something like 10 caps in there at the age of 21. Although I don't think he's played for him since, what, 2018, early 2019. He's already moved for a couple of million when he went to Fiorentina. The, the resale value is there. On top of that, he's a boy who's played now in Scotland, and there's other clubs and other leagues after him. He's played in Scotland. He's seen the rough and tumble nature of it. He's not shied away and said, you know, it's not really for me. If we tied that up with maybe a Shea Yojo, there's maybe slightly different views there. But this is a boy who knows what it's like. He's played in front of the crowd. He's heard the booze because we're not playing well at the moment. And he still wants to come back for more. No-brainer, you sign him up. Well, is it a wee bit of a worry that he's performed so well in the Under-21 Championships? He's been to uh, Fiorentina and Genk and it hasn't worked out for him? Possibly. Um, I, I would keep him, but when I look back at his stats and his goals, he's only scored one goal, one assist. Are we just going to end up in a similar situation as, as Kent? You know, he's not going to maybe contribute an awful lot. I'm kind of lost to try and maybe get a different opinion than the other guys but um, I don't know if I would go and pay all that money it kind of depends what happens with, with our funding if we're going to get new new kind of investments in players in the summer along with maybe if Morelos leaves for a lot of money if Morelos leaves I think you bring him in and you obviously you need to go for a, another first choice striker as well but and hopefully that kind of brings out the best in Hadji if we change shape in that I think you mentioned last week and behind the striker would be his better position. I think he's shown that against Livingston, where they threw a ball to, to Arfield. I, I did mention that last week, Scott, and obviously yeah. because you had better things to do. I did mention that. Is, is, could it be an issue that he's not getting played in the right position and Gerard has shown that his formation is his formation? Yes, that I mean there's, there's no denying that that could be a a, a bit of a deal breaker, if you like. That it's it's quite clear to me that Hadji likes playing one off of one man up top or two men up top. I think he he certainly lose some of his effectiveness his effectiveness if he's playing on either side. You ideally want him central. There's no two ways about it. it I, if you can get him. I, I don't understand what they would think about, particularly for four million. It's not a great, it's a huge deal of money for us, but in the modern day market, 
it really isn't. It's not a huge deal of money at all. You've got the teams in the um, the championship down south are trading values like that every summer, at least. I think technically he's a wonderful footballer as well. It's been a long time since we spoke about David Cooper at the start of the podcast and how he was relatively left-sided. Hadji's great with both feet. It's been a long time since I think the, the Rangers support have seen a player at Ibrox who is so comfortable on both his left and right foot. It's it's a decision that I think if they are forced to make, I hope they don't need to to think about it too much. If they can sign him, then I think they should definitely go and get him. And just just finally on Hadji Thomas, like you and Scott have said, four million pounds, even if he even if he goes to Rangers and, and doesn't make a massive success, you're not going to lose that four million. No, uh, and I feel that we need to get onto some ground where me and Scott have to find something to absolutely disagree on at, at some point. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, we've spoke a lot about resale value and player trading, right? And that's going to be the lifeblood of this club as, as we go forward because that's the, the fiscal plan and the model has to be that way. Yanis Hadji ticks a lot, well, all of those boxes in terms of the profile, the ability that Scott touches on. He is, he's technically very, very gifted. He can play in a number of positions. He's one of those guys who I think just has to find the right club to um, to pop, so to speak, uh, and bed down and have a really good stellar season. Didn't work out with Fiorentina, didn't work out with Genk, although there's some changes in you know managerial personnel there that might have led to some of that. But there's absolutely... Even if he was to come to Scotland and have, you know, maybe an, an indifferent season, you're still going to get your four million back. No, absolutely. And and just finally, then, same question as before: Will Gerard keep him, Wally? Yeah. Scott. Yes. Thomas. Uh, no, no. They <laughs> <laughs> just like disagree with everybody. I'm a man of my word. Uh, absolutely, yes. Right, okay. Right. Let's move on to the players we have out on loan. And the first one I've got here is Ross McCrory. And it also has to be mentioned that today Ross McCrory um, it, it came out that he has the coronavirus, COVID-19. And I think I speak for all of us in the pod and for all of us in the This Is Ibrooks family that we wish him all the best and we hope that everything goes okay and that none of his family is affected by it either. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, now let's take a wee look at Ross. He went down to Portsmouth. Portsmouth, who currently, as it stands, sit fourth in League One. He's played 22 games, five assists, four yellows, and he's had one sending off. Now, Scott, could you tell me what position Ross McCrory plays? You know, I, I had a funny feeling you were going to lead with that. The, the, easy, <laughs> answer, the easy answer is no. I remember when I first, um, when Ross McCrory broke into the first team, he um, was playing in the centre-half, looked quite handy, you have to say. Um, then he moved into this sort of enforcer role, which was playing just ahead of the front, or the, the back four, rather. And again, looked quite handy, I thought. A wee bit hasty in some of his passing and rash in some of his tackles. Next thing we know, he's away down to Portsmouth and he's playing right back. So the easy answer to your question, Martin, I think is no. Well, that, that is the first short answer you've ever given. <laughs> it's thrown me off my game. <laughs> well, wait, wait, let me ask you, where do you think his best position is? Or what do you think his position is? I'm the one that asked the question, Scott. Now, come on. <laughs> uh, centre-back for me. And I think, yeah. I, think, I think in time he will develop into a right good centre-back. The problem is, 
like you say, you get played at centre back, then you get played at defensive mid, and then he gets played at right back. Correct. Where, where, whereas it's it's good for him to get a a shot in each of his positions. He, I know he's still young, but he's getting to that point where you want him to nail down one position and of course make it his own. Um, but well, do you think it was a good move for him going to Portsmouth? Well, I wanted games. He's getting games, so yeah. But I'd have liked him to stay here. I thought he had a wee bit to offer us. Uh, could have maybe added to our midfield because I kind of done all right last season. Uh, just remembering off the top of my head, I think it was against Aberdeen. We played the Diamond. Well, that was maybe two two years ago, three years ago. Um, we was it Murray? Graham Murray he played a, a Diamond against Aberdeen, and he played the, the kind of enforcer role. As Scott yeah. was saying there, and I thought he played. Absolutely wonderful in there. And he, I was first class. Kinda, he was first I, class. I think he ended he absolutely up, was. Yeah, I think we ended up winning quite comfortably as well. Well, uh, I, I know that when he, when he first went down um, to Portsmouth, obviously high high expectations. Portsmouth, quite a big team in England. Um, and it didn't start out too well, Thomas. And actually, at the beginning, there was a lot of fans calling for him to get sent back up the road. Yeah, I think he got a sending off as well. Uh, if I remember correctly, fairly early on, down there for, for them. Um, I, I agree with, with the, the stance that everybody's taken that he's getting to that posi- uh, point in his career where you need to identify who he is, what he is. I've always seen him as a bit of a defensive-minded midfielder, maybe in front of the back four, because he can snap into a challenge, he can actually play a ball, but he's not necessarily a natural centre-back for me, and he's not a natural centre-midfielder because I don't think the quality of the passing is there in terms of a forward movement. You know, I'd happily take take a, a, bit of, a bit of criticism on that, but that's always been my my view of him. He, he does need to nail this down. I think he's done a reasonable job at Portsmouth. You know, maybe cr- can, um, contracting coronavirus aside, obviously. But, uh, and, and thankfully he's not showing any symptoms, so he says on social media. But he needs to come back and then cement something. He's, he's kind of in that bucket the same way as people like, uh, um, well, I'm sure we'll touch on him, Doherty. D- do you naturally know where they play and do they naturally push somebody who's in the first team out of the way? That's that's the question that these guys need to answer with their performances. Well, I suppose the big question is, Scott, do you see a future for him at Ibrox? Uh, I do. I just can't work out where. I think the 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 big question, frankly, is who does who does Ross McCrory come in for as things stand right now? If we keep Tavernier in the summer. All the centre halves as we have just now, of the midfielders that are there just now that, that leave or perhaps retire, does Ross McCrory come in for any of these guys as a direct replacement? I'm not sure he does. Could he be useful as a squad member? Absolutely. And for what it's worth, I think is as the guy gets older and matures and gets more game time under his belt, I think he will become a first team regular. My worry is that if it's not next season, is he going to look to leave? I think the the, the big problem when we look at loan players and the, the next guy we're going to look at is case in point, that the team has been performing so poorly since January that I know many people that were saying, would Ross McCrory have done a worse job in there than a Ryan Jack or a Stephen Davis? Yeah, absolutely. That's your biggest problem, which yeah. which is a fantastic segue actually on the next man we're going to talk about. And uh, Thomas, Jamie Murphy, sent out on loan to Burton. Um, to, to get some fitness and by God, 10 games, 7 goals, 2 assists. Yeah, and you, you wouldn't know that from the fact that nobody mentions it on Twitter. Every, <laughs> time, every time he scores. You need to remember, 
one of the things that don't bear in mind actually and you know what, I'm I'm probably going to get a lot of hassle off the of people on Twitter but one of the bugbears of mine is somebody goes away to one of these clubs they're generally an inferior league and inferior quality compared to what Rangers are playing with less expectation and less crowds and less pressure that's the whole reason for the loan system right and then when they perform really well or even one game you get immediately why are we not playing these guys I, I do get it though with the Jamie Murphy argument. And you're saying, well, is he no a better person than a, a Jordan Jones or a Shea Ojo or whatever? Right? Yeah, I could maybe take that on board. But Jamie Murphy also had to get himself up to speed physically, and we don't know what the story there in terms of coming back from the injury. Was he just deemed not maybe robust enough to be playing in the Scottish League week in week out? And so Gerald turned to something else. Is there a place for him? Do you know what? I'm actually going to be maybe a wee bit more controversial. No, Jamie Murphy will leave in the summer for a nominal fee. Oh, well. Well, is it, is it fair to say that the standard in League One down south is less than the standard of the top league in Scotland? I think it might be a little bit unfair, to be honest. I think, um, I mean, you've seen uh, Boyce, he's, he's good quality, he's many hearts, he's scored goals, he's scored goals, he does. Uh, so if there's a few kind of guys down there, then, you know, maybe the quality's not... not Maybe I would thrilled for him, yeah, absolutely, it is kind of below par, but maybe for the rest of the league, it's probably pretty similar, to be totally honest. So he's maybe coming up against kind of defenders who could be similar quality to, to the rest of the league that we'd be facing. And is it, is it simply just hindsight, Scott, that his supporters were jumping on the, oh, we shouldn't have loaned out Jamie Murphy, look how good he's doing, just because we're performing so poorly, because he was coming back from that really, really serious knee injury. And like... Um, uh, Thomas says it's it's a more physical league up here, um, and there would have been more chance for um, a, a injuries knee again, so to speak. Yeah, I mean, I think um, listen, hindsight's twenty twenty. There's no two ways about it. I think Murphy is someone who has a a challenge in the sense that we've got relatively good options in the positions that he plays. Um, Kent can play either side. Aribo has been playing in that role. Arfield has occasionally played in the similar sort of role. Before you look at guys like Jordan Jones, Greg Stewart, dare I say, Brandon Barker, Ojo, Kent, they're all in there. So you, you need to wonder where Murphy is going to slide in as far as that uh, grading is concerned. I personally think that um, keeping Murphy on would be a, would be a decent um, option because I think he would offer that I think the the problem that he, he probably will have is that there's, there's so many of these sort of fake surfaces that Rangers are going to travel to and it would be a hell of a shame if Jamie Worth was to hit a really rich vein of form and then we have to go to maybe back-to-back trips to Livingston and Kilmarnock and he drops off the radar because someone else comes in and plays out their skin so I think Jamie's problem is always going to be maybe a reliability as far as some of the surfaces in this country are concerned. As I say, personally, I would keep him because I think he's better than some of the options that we've got in the position that he plays in in the squad currently. I think another big thing I'm going to button is, is the manager, Nigel Clough. He's worked with him before at Sheffield United and he was he was on fire there as well. I think another thing just to, to, to kind of put into that conversation as well, I think he's, is he 30, 31, something, something like that in there? If I remember correctly, he only signed like a three-year deal when he when he came to us. Well, I think it was back end of twenty eighteen or whatever. So twenty twenty one, his contract runs out. It's twenty twenty one. You've got him for you know best case scenario. He comes up for next season. 
would Rangers maybe the better question is would Rangers extend um, as opposed to trying to get short of him? I still believe that they'll get rid of him uh, when he comes back, but it's an interesting conversation. I, I think I think what you have to look at. Sorry, uh, Wally. I think what you have to look at, and we'll look at this in more depth next week about players coming in and players leaving. If you are looking to get short of a few players, um, who are you getting rid of? Are you getting rid of Brandon Barker or are you getting rid of Jamie Murphy? Well, that's no brainer. It's 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 uh, on current form. You would you would definitely say Barker because he's done he's done nothing. I think he just seems to have been weighed down by the expectation and, and sank without a trace. Absolutely, and that's that's why for, for me personally, and if, you're also blinded because he's a good blue nose and he loves the club and stuff like that. I just I just feel that <clears throat> excuse me, he offers some as something rotationally. You look at the performances, uh, your Ryan Kent's, your Aribos, who and Aribo isn't a winger. If you just had somebody like, like Murphy on the bench, maybe start 15, 20 games a season, I think he's a far better option than even a Jordan Jones or a Brandon Barker for me. But we shall we shall move on to the next man and Thomas Greg Dockery. Um, now Greg Dockery does split opinion. He went on loan to Shrewsbury last season, and I think he was basically a player of the year. Um, he comes back up the road and he goes to Hibs. Only plays roughly eight games, but in the eight games he shines for Hibs. I like Greg Dockery. Um, and the hits keep coming with these these loan player questions. Um, but yeah, I mean, I like Greg Doherty. He, he was he was very good at Shrewsbury. Again, I I you know refer to my quality of league uh, comment earlier on. He's come up to Hibs, doing a good job. Scored a, a cracking goal a couple of weeks ago. I've always felt that the the problem that Gerard sees in Greg Doherty is a bit of tactical naivety. He, he always strikes me as a bit of a ball chaser. And that he'll run out of position because he's desperate to do a good job. And he's had a couple of pre-seasons to try and show the coaching staff that he's got what it takes. I still think there's a there's a future for Greg Dorkey, whether that's a an absolute nail down first team in the mid uh, first team place in the midfield, I suspect not. Or as a squad player contributing maybe, you know, twenty odd uh, twenty, you know, uh, appearances a season, maybe some off the bench or whatever, sounds probably a bit more until they can just round out his game a little bit more. But he's another one that maybe suffers a little bit from where does he naturally play? Do you put him right in the centre and believe that he's he's the passing ability is good enough? Do you play him a wee bit further forward because he can score a goal? Do you expect box to box? You know, when, when do you exactly want to drop him in there? And to go back to what Scott had said uh, a good while ago, who did he, he naturally pass, uh, pass, pass out of that midfield at the moment in the first team? He's just got still a wee bit more to show to cement something. But I do like him. All right, well, well you can answer that question. Where does Greg Dockery play? I think he's a play centre midfield, but I don't think he's good enough for us if we, if we want to be challenging for leagues and cups, to be totally honest with you guys. Um, uh, as you said, I think he gets attracted to the ball a bit too much. He's out of position, but he does. He, kind of, he works hard, but I don't think he's good enough out of possession or in possession for us, to be honest. Greg Dockery for you, Scott? I, I sadly I think Greg Dockery's time at Rangers is pretty much burst. Um, I don't think you'll see him in a Rangers jersey again, frankly, um, which is a shame because he, he, he's kind of he's living that dream that we all would have loved to have done it at some point in our footballing careers. Um, 
but he's just it's not happened for him and it's one of the main reasons I think is due to the quality that there has been uh, ahead of him it's good that he's going out and getting match experience under his belt and he's he's, he's doing well at Hibs he's uh, he's absolutely doing well at Hibs I just wouldn't be surprised at all if there's something written into this Doherty and Camberry loan deal yeah. that suggests at the end of the season if all parties are happy that um, the deal's become permanent on either side I think that's Do you real... think? Sorry, on you go. So I just think that's a really good show. I think you know, relatively similar values. You would think. Would you pin two million on on Doherty guys? What's your thought on on value there? No, not for me. I mean, I think he's he's a at the moment he's a one million player tops, and I'm not suggesting that he couldn't get to two million. I actually, I, I I think he's a decent player, but I just think this season we've had particularly the first six months of the season, the first half of the season, there was no danger he was getting anywhere near. Uh, the trio of midfielders in there no chance absolutely no chance and Ross McCrory indeed falls into a, a very similar vein first six months these guys were going to get nowhere near that midfield three no chance well, well there you go there's you know push it back and we'll, we'll pin you to this one Martin since you're always saying you never answer any questions because you're the host right would you swap like for like Florian Canberry for Greg Dockery yes well, there we go. We got an answer as well. I'm done. Shot caller. Yeah, but see, I'm also, I'm also going to say no, and then edit in whatever answer <laughs> I think's better later on. But well, you, you were quite, you were quite firm in there, and you're, he's not good enough. So, what is Greg Dockery's level then? I'm probably the Hibs. The Hibs kind of level in our league. To be honest, maybe go down to the Championship, the lower end of it. Uh, but I, I can't see him really breaking into our team any sort of time soon. I think, um, you know, the, the appearances he's made for us have been pretty like, scattered, to be honest. I think he's, he's not made any in the league, but he's had one in the cup. I think when everybody kind of got a wee run out against uh, East Fife, was it kind of tail at the start of the season, was it? Um, and then in the, the kind of games against like St. Joseph's and uh, Niedercorn, progress Niedercorn, dare I mention it. Um, it kind of got wee bits. I don't even think he made a full game between the games. See, for me, so. just fine, just finally on Doherty, Thomas, for me, the, the strange thing is he seems to me like such a Gerard player with his determination and his approach to the game and his willingness to learn and try and improve. You would think that. I mean, one of the things that was levelled against Gerard in his career was his uh, seemingly technical naivety and getting sucked into the ball. So maybe he sees a, a wee bit of that as well. And I'm not saying that's right or wrong. But I'm just saying that's one of the things that was levelled against Stephen Gerrard. It's worth pointing out as well, the players we've spoke about, you know, Jamie Murphy, Greg Doherty, Ross McCrory, obviously suffering from the curse of being Rangers fans and it not quite working out at the club that they love. You know, Chuck Graham Doran's in there as well. So maybe something in that. But also, you know, these are guys who were there pre-Gerard. And so there might be a wider influence of they've been through a lot of rough, maybe the, the uh, psychological damage. Maybe Gerard just doesn't think that they are what the club needs to move forward. And that's why they're out on loan, as opposed to you know, getting them game time to prove themselves again. Maybe they've just been told, get yourself in the shop window. I think Gerard openly but- spoke about um, the way that McCrory was treated by, I think it was Graham Murty, I may be wrong, yeah. uh, in the Celtic game at Parkhead um, under Murty's stewardship. He was quite, I think Gerard obviously saw something in McCrory that made him think, wow, you've went through way too much for such a young guy who's trying to develop a career. 
Uh, I think there's a lot of um, substance in that, Tommy. Absolutely. I think absolutely spot on. Were you trying to insinuate there, Thomas, that Gerard has favourites? No favourites, but people he trusts. <laughs> players, he, players he trusts. Uh, you know, I think we spoke about this last week uh, and we were talking about, and Gerard's you know, on the record of this, with Tav, Morelos, these people who he believes go to the well for him and when they play really badly or they make a mistake, he will play them through the, the their bad patch. So Tav early in the season, Morelos right now. right? No surprise that Morelos started against Bayern, all that type of stuff. Whereas somebody who he thinks is maybe a little bit more, and I use the term really advisedly here in terms of a, a kind of mental health capacity, but somebody who's a little bit more shaky psychologically or you know gets impacted by it, he'll take them out, Nikola Katic, for example. As Scott says, maybe that's you know one of the things in terms of, he's looked at Ross McCrory, and interesting to hear from you guys once I've finished who you think out of this trio has got the better chance to actually make it. For me, I think it's McCrory in terms of coming back to Rangers. But maybe he just looks and he goes, do you know what, you've been through too much. The scars won't heal at this club for you. You need to go somewhere else to get on with your professional career. Well, for, for me out of the trio, personally, I think Jamie Murphy. Scott? McCrory for me, Martin. Wally? I'm Ross McCrory as well. Um, I think Gerald even described him as a future captain at Rangers. I think that kind of speaks a little bit. Thomas? Well, as I said, McCrory, I think Murphy, I get your point about maybe you're looking at the technical ability right now and the fact that we need a bit more reinforcement in the forward areas. But you take everything into a package, his age, resale value, McCrory's got a career ahead of him, Jamie's, has got, Jamie's got one behind him. It's McCrory all day long. I think there's a lot of kind of things you need to do for if you're trying to get into Europe. I think you need to have so many players that have been raised through your academy, and I think McCrory fits that perfectly for us as well. If you know that's, I mean. also, that, that's also a very fair point. That's yeah, a fair point. point. Right, we shall move on, and we've got four guys left to talk about. Three are pretty much leaving, but there, there is one, um, Glenn Middleton. Now, Wally, uh, last season... He showed glimpses that he's going to be a fantastic player in the future. Um, he was loaned out to Bradford initially, and he didn't really play. Yep. Um, well, he's still at Bradford now, isn't he? He's no. Uh, he's kind of. I think the manager. I think the manager changed just as he signed. Yeah, sorry. Today. He was. He was. He was loaned out to Hibs initially. <clears throat> sorry. Ah, he was, and he kind of. He didn't really go into. Well, he started all right, I think. Initially, he started well under Hickenbottom, but then I think it kind of just faded away really quickly. I don't know if maybe being in a Rangers team and then finding yourself playing at Hibs in front of you know less less people than, than you would at Ibrox, it's maybe been a wee bit of a shock to him. Yeah, no, that's that, that's that's maybe fair. But but Scott, were, were you surprised that he wasn't in um, Gerard's first team squad for the season going going forward? I wasn't particularly no. I'll tell you why, Glenn Middleton is, is still a relatively young guy in football life. I'm not sure he's 20 years old yet, I'll stand corrected. Um, 18. He, so, I mean, <laughs> young boy, literally a young guy. Um, I'm not sure Gerard would have not necessarily trusted him, but maybe believed in him in the same way that he believed in the other options he had that were playing on this left wing um, sort of role that you would assume Middleton would be playing in. I think uh, he's he's a good young player, bags of potential, um, but I think the um, the jury remains out in him a wee bit. Uh, I'm not is sure it, what the plans will be for Glenn Middleton for next season, to be honest. Is he no uh, 20, man? 
I was going to say, I think he is in the 20 bracket. I don't think he's as young as 18. Well, I, I, if he is, I stand corrected. It's just I don't normally get many things wrong. Um, <laughs> and the way my Thomas, lights went so far, if I've proved you wrong, then that's that's going to just make me go, yeah, I'm leaving there's it a, there. There's a, I'll see there's you later, a guys. For everything. <laughs> there's a first for everything. Uh, Thomas, obviously, like we're saying, he's a young guy, 18, 20, who cares? What kind of future do you see for Glen Middleton? Well, First of all, uh, first of all, I think it's really important from an editing the podcast perspective that we say that you said 18 for Glenn Middleton, and we're absolutely certain he's 20. So stitch that together, um, and we'll get the guys to refer to it later on. So as well, but, um, I think he's in, he's in the bracket that we're talking about here, and, and it's a transitional thing for Rangers. It speaks to a wider transitional thing that there's large parts of the squad that need turned turned out the door. I think Gerard would probably admit that uh, last season and the and the close season maybe got one or two signings a little bit wrong towards the end in terms of padding out the squads. You know, your Greg Stewart's, your your um, uh, your Jones, your your Brandon Barkers, etc. I think there's a place for Glenn Middleton. He's still so young. Twenty is is absolutely nothing. Did I say twenty? Yeah, I think I did. Um, so that's still that's still absolutely nothing. I, I think though that he's maybe got. One more year, possibly getting loaned out before he comes in, and it very much depends on what happens in that left side because we've already touched on Ojo can play out there, Kent can play in there, Barker plays there, uh, Jones plays there, and then you've got Middleton as well. So at some point, there's either got to be an absolute, and Camberry can play on the left as well. So who nails that down, and then what does the backup look like? I think even if he returns, Middleton is looking at probably another season on the periphery or out on loan. Is it a worry for you, Scott, that he's had two loan spells this season that have both been, well, relatively unsuccessful? I think it'll be a, a concern for guys like um, Craig Mulholland and Ross Wilson, to be honest. Mm-hmm. Um, they'll be wanting these young lads to go out and absolutely get game time and good game time so that when they do come back after the loan period's end that they're given Stephen Gerrard a decision to make. And at the moment, Glenn Middleton, frankly, isn't doing that. So there's no danger Glenn Middleton will come up after the two loan spells he's had this season and become part of the first-team squad next year. There you go. No chance. Right, OK. Well, actually, I've just realised, looking at my notes, that I've actually left somebody out. <laughs> it's probably the guy with the most potential at the club, and that's <laughs> Robbie McCrory. Thomas, um, there's a lot of chat about Robbie McCrory, obviously, talk, uh, possibly taking over for Alan McGregor. And he, he's, he's always done well on his loans, and he's done he done well on the short time he was out on loan at Livingston. Um, do you see another loan next season for, for Robbie, or do you see him maybe coming in and learning a bit from McGregor? Yeah, well, I think of all the players that we've spoke about, or spoken about, I should say, McCrory has the best noise round about him. He's massively high, highly regarded by the the academy. He's been watched by several other clubs, and he's in that. Um, if I was a football manager player, uh, that you know potential prodigy wonderkin type of thing, he's one that's tipped to break right through. The important thing is not to put too much pressure on him. Will he be third choice next season? That's probably the best that he should hope for. Because McGregor's signed up for another season, he'll 
uh, barring any you know massive issues or injuries, McGregor will be the number one choice next season again. One would suspect. Uh, I think West Bodden will leave, uh, so he'll need replaced by somebody who's happy and comfortable to be a number two. Robbie McCrory in behind him, maybe play the odds, you know, lower level cup game or whatever, or maybe go out and loan. But I would prefer to maybe see him around the, the the first team. Andy Firth, I would imagine, will probably have a YouTube channel by that point, um, and maybe Instagram and left, right, and centre. Um, but that's probably that's probably where he is. He's wanting to watch, but we just need to be very careful. We don't put a, a large amount of uh, pressure on him. Going to Livingston and performing in the SPL is a really really good move. It also has to be said as well, Willie, that wherever he's went on loan, whether it be the bottom leagues in Scotland coming right up through to Livingston, that whatever club he's been at, they've been incredibly impressed with him. Yeah, absolutely. He's had a, a few different loan spells, hasn't he? He's been to, um, was it Berwick? I think it was his first loan spell, Morton, Green South and New Livingston. So he's getting a lot of experience at a very young age, especially in goalkeeping terms. I know 22 years old and I think... Gerard's got quite a big call to make in the summer, I think, whether he goes out on loan or maybe he brings him in to be second choice slash first choice with McGregor. Because I think if maybe it goes on a wee bit too long, kind of like Liam Kelly, then you could maybe see him going on and maybe stalling if it's held back too long. If he's number two, we won. Obviously, McGregor's not going to be around for too long, so it's going to be whatever happens maybe after next season, so maybe 2021, 20, season. You'll maybe see if he's going to come in then, probably on a, on a full-time basis. Scott, I think um, maybe the plan was, because obviously he was on loan at Queen of the South, and then Rangers brought him back to send him out on loan to Livingston. I don't know if maybe part of that plan was to give him six months playing in the top league, and then next season bring him into the bring him into the squad. I think, um, I think Robbie McCrory will be a number two goalkeeper for next season. I think Fodderingham will go in in the season first, as you rightly say, it will be on Love Island or something like that. <laughs> uh, but largely, I think Robin McCurry will be your, your your second choice goalkeeper next season. And I think you're absolutely right. I think one of the main reasons for them moving from Queen of the South loan deal to the Livingston loan deal was precisely that. It was to give them match experience playing at a sorry, premiership level. I think he's a two or three man-of-the-match performances since he went to Livingston, to be perfectly honest. So, yeah, I, I think in Robbie McCrory, we've got a, a future number one, both uh, at club and probably country level, I would suggest. Um, and I think it's important that we, we sort of involve him in that first-team squad as early as possible, ideally starting next season. Absolutely. but And I think it's a shame, though, that his brother can say that he's played in goals at Ibrox before him. Um, <laughs> now, the next for years. <laughs> well, what it is. <laughs> the next player we're going to talk about upsets me slightly because when we signed them, I thought it was an absolutely phenomenal signing. But unfortunately, he just cannot stay fit. And he'd been on loan to Fleetwood, Thomas, Jordan, Rosser. Um, it's just a shame for the lad that he cannot keep himself fit. Well, you know, as the song says, heart of glass. Unfortunately, Rossler's got more than just a heart uh, of glass. I mean, it seems to be every, every limb uh, fails him at some points, which is really, really sad because I think there's a, a real talent in there. But I hate the phrase, he's a crock. But it's definitely not worked for him up here. He's got no route back to the Rangers first team, right? That's just a given. And I think he's, he's a, he's a contract runs out at the end of the season. 
he'll get a slap in the back, wish well, and you know probably join a league, a league one club or something like that. He gets filed under things that could have been but weren't, and we wish him all the very, very best. That's the Jordan Rossiter story at Rangers, full stop. The sad thing, Scott, is he went down to Fleetwood, and he he started the first nineteen games for them, and I was I was watching it quite closely because I'm a I'm a massive fan of Jordan Rosser. and I was thinking to myself maybe just maybe that's him got over his injury problems, but sadly no. Yeah, I was I was in the same boat as you. I couldn't believe that they signed Rosser. I was really surprised because he'd been in and around the Liverpool first team. I'm almost sure that he played in the first team with Gerard, um. So you almost thought that when Gerard came in. Ross Alba would be one of these go-to men who we've spoken about in the last couple of podcasts. Um, it just hasn't worked out from him. Um, you, you have to wonder what sort of career the guy's going to go on and have because injuries have just blighted every single move he's made. And it's a shame. He seems to be he seems to be cursed a wee bit. I remember looking at the, the interviews that he'd done initially when he arrived and he'd done a couple of press conferences with Gerald as well. And he seemed a really bubbly, chirpy character typical sort of Liverpool scouser if you like you can't help but think that uh, if he was 100% fully fit all the time he would he would definitely have been around the first team and there's no danger he would be getting sent out to places like Fleetwood just to try and get games on his on his card uh, I think it's a shame but his, his Rangers career is, is, is definitely bust without question Yeah I, th- I think it's they call it the Jonas term Conundrum in it. It's if he had if he wasn't as injury prone, he wouldn't be at Rangers. You just reminded me uh, your turns go against Celtic. By the way, what an absolute strike! That was a perler, wasn't it? Uh, absolute screamer. Sorry, just totally bust your totally bust your your fit there, but just reminded me of that strike an absolute cracker. By the way, anybody who's not seen it, look it on YouTube. Oh no, I've, seen, I've watched that about 40 times. It's just a shame that you asked him who was an absolute world-class footballer just didn't have any knees left when he came to Rangers. That was a problem. Yeah, definitely. Um, I, I, I didn't mean us not seeing it, just in case anybody's you know listening into the pod and hasn't seen it. If I remember correctly as well, did we get him from Roma? We did. No, I, I yeah, think, was, it not Bruce, was, was it not Borussia Dortmund? I thought it was Roma. I'm sure, it, I'm it sure he went to Bayern to Borussia. I, I don't I'm not sure. he ever played for Dortmund. Was that not Nerlinger? No, well, see, I don't, I don't know how we've managed to get onto this conversation. <laughs> frantically trying to, frantically trying to look this up here whilst I'm, whilst I'm talking away. No, we, we definitely got him. He went from uh, in Nord, well, Benfica, Napoli, Roma, Rangers. Yeah, right, well, I got, I got that. I, that's twice I've been wrong tonight. That's just not acceptable. You're getting um, out on loan to somebody else's podcast to get games. <laughs> <laughs> right, well, while I see as my train of thought has been completely interrupted there, Jordan, like we'll just finish quickly on Jordan Ross. His contract's up at the end of the season, and it's pretty much thanks very much for everything you've done, but go find another club. Yeah, pretty much. I think he's only made 16 appearances for us, and uh, it seems to be pretty much the, the standard for his seasons now, now and then when he's fit. Aye, he'll just be kind of released in the summer and hopefully it kind of goes on and hopefully gets over the injury problems but we've had a, a, a torrid time with him trying to, try to keep him fit I know and the sad thing is he's only 23 as well but yeah I do hope he goes on and, and and has some sort of career moving on then we'll move on to a player who seems to have been at Rangers for years Jason Holt Scott um, on loan at St Johnston 
last of the kind of a what would you say the old guard from the the Warburton era? Um, simply not good enough, is he? No, he's not. Uh, Warburton really, really liked him. Really liked him, and I always felt he was just one of these guys, almost a headless chicken approach, just ran about and ran and ran and ran and ran and ran. His Rangers career was okay. I think he'll be happy that he, he's done it. I think, think it'll be something to look back on with a bit of fondness, but yeah, absolutely, he's he's gone as well. And again, he, he's a good bit off the quality that we have in the squad just now. And you'd imagine um, without knowing what's going to happen in the summer with regards to the transfers, etc. are concerned, you'd imagine he'd be even further off the quality then. Like Scott said there, Thomas, he, he, he gives you everything on the park and He'll, he'll run for 90 minutes, but the quality is just no there. And again, it's another one of them. Thanks very much for your service, and I hope you find the right club. Yeah, he gets a he gets a Rangers tie uh, and a, a carriage clock uh, and, and sent sent on his on his way. You always know that when people say well, he works really hard. If they lead with that, then you know there's a discount on the talent. Uh, whereas if it's a really good player, they say he's brilliant and he works hard because it's always a benefit. You don't expect it. It, it, Jason Oates, one of these guys, came in, did a job in an era where we couldn't attract the best. Uh, worth remembering that he cost, I think he cost 15 grand more than Glenn Kamara. I think he was 65 grand development fee to Hearts. Yeah, that's right. Absolutely um, spot on. Yeah, but he's, he's 27. He'll go on to another club, probably in the SPL uh, or League One down south. He'll have a reasonable career. And much like Scott was saying earlier on as well, he gets the chance about Ojo. He gets the chance to say that I played a significant number of games for, for Rangers. And, and that's it. All the best, Jason. Thanks thanks for thanks for taking part. See, I don't know what's going on with me tonight. I had, I had it written down that he was 30. You know, it's it's, it's been a poor... I, I'd, I'd say football manager-wise, I'm getting a six. To, to be fair, I might be wrong, I might be wrong there with, with that 27, but I, I believe that he's, I think he was born in 93, so that would make him 27. So I'm, I can't he's 27, he's 27. I was born in 93, yeah, 27. So there you yep. go, that, that's, that's my calc. I am having an absolute shocker. Um, I think as well, is it that, does that not just reiterate how long he's been at Ibrox for? Think how long ago Mark Warburton was, and Holt's only 27. You're spot on there. He's one of these guys. I think he looks older. He's, he's um, what was the guy who used to play for Italy? It looked ancient, but he was quite young. Was it Lombardo? Aye. Aye, Aye that's the boy. He looked like he was like he'd just been like dragged out the crypt. Aye. Uh, he was twenty-two. Aye, he was like twenty-two and all that. But I hope <laughs> No offense to Lombardo, but <laughs> great, great player in his day. <laughs> I'm pretty, I'm pretty sure he tunes in every Friday to this his eyebrows. <laughs> he does. He's just, he's just testing me, but it's all in, it's all in Italian and capital, so I don't know exactly what he's saying. Um, we shall finish up tonight, guys, on the last player. And Wally, actually, a guy that every time he played, which wasn't very often, I thought he was a smashing goalkeeper in Jack Elmwick. Actually, I was in the same kind of bracket as you there. I actually thought he was not too bad either. He had a big cracking beard as well. <laughs> um, but I, he, looked kind of, he looked like he could have challenged for number one when Fotheringham was there anyway, but I thought he'd done not too bad while he was, was, was with us. Scott, he went down to Blackpool and he started every single game right up until he got his injury. And I, I have to repeat it again. I think he's, he's a really good goalkeeper. Yeah, I think... Annick will have no issue in, in getting another club. I think he's um, he's quite reliable, steady, 
and I think Willie's right. I think for a for a period of time, it looked like he was quite capable of challenging Fotheringham for that uh, number one jersey. Um, you have to probably suggest that Annex Rangers' career was on the slide the minute they they agreed for Alan McGregor to return in the summer because he was always going to come back as numero uno, which meant that Fotheringham would have slipped into number two. Um, and Anik was probably at the stage where he wanted to play first-team career, hence the, the loan moves that he's had since then. Similar to the guys that we've discussed recently, Holt, etc. Um, don't move on knowing that they've played at Ibrox and they've played for Rangers, um, and we wish them the best of luck. Just just finally, um, Thomas, on, on Alnwick, um, again, his, I'm sure his contract's up, or there's been a deal agreed with Blackpool, and, and he'll be thanked for his service as well, but... Just in your opinion, who do you think is the better goalkeeper, Jack Almwick or Wes Fodringham? Fodringham. Uh, and it's that's an easy answer. Uh, and I'm an outlier compared to you know the previous two guys, Scott and Willie, and maybe yourself as well. Jack Almwick was never, uh, for me, in contention as being the number one at, at Ibrox. That says more about how shaky Fodringham was a little bit and how shaky we were at the back. It's a totally different scenario to look decent when you're being asked to make tons of saves. For example, he played really well when we get thumped off um, that mob and made a couple of good saves to keep the score down. But he's, he's not a, a high-level number one. He's a decent enough, all-right goalkeeper to have in your back pocket. But for me, he was never, ever in the running to be a, to be a number one and cement that place. And he'll probably end up at a reasonably small club as well. See, you should never end a podcast on an argument, and I'm not going to argue with you, Thomas, because you've got a far bigger vocabulary than me. So that doesn't mean I'm right, though. That doesn't mean no, I'm right. no, it doesn't mean you're right. It just means you sound right. That's, you know what? I'll, I'll take that. I'll just edit it with that, mate. That, that's absolutely fine. No, I just, I just don't think that he was. I don't think the level of quality was there, and I think, you know, I can understand where the guys are coming from. I just disagree on the basis that if we look through the lens of the level of quality was there. Would you necessarily say, when we could attract an Alan McGregor or somebody like that, in this moment in time, would Jack Hamwick even be in your thinking if we don't look back the way to when he was playing? You know, that was a very specific point in time where we had to take a level of quality that was significantly lower than the jersey deserved. There's no way he could have been a, a consistent number one for the club, full stop. Well, I, I said this to Scott before we came on, but I'll say it again. When you use rationale and reasoning, Thomas, it's not very fair. <laughs> Next day I'm just going to swear, you know, shout obscenities down the down the, the microphone at people until until people agree with me. All right, guys, listen, that will do us there. But just before we go, I should let everybody know that the, the times that we're in and we don't have a lot of football content, go and check out our website. This is ibrox.co.uk. I say it every week, but you'll find articles, um, blogs. Uh, our own Willie, Scott and Thomas on the pod tonight do do articles. Scott's and Willie's are really good. Thomas's are okay. Um, <laughs> That's the best I can hope for. <laughs> if you want to follow us, you can follow us on Twitter at This Is Ibrooks. You can find us on Facebook. It's This Is Ibrooks. And Instagram, This Is Ibrooks. Willie, if anybody wants to follow you on Twitter, what's your Twitter handle? It's uh, Willie93. That's with a U. Instead of an I and ending I. Scott? Mine's is easier than Willie's. Um, it's at Scotty Patterson 6. Thomas? 
looking forward to you editing Scott there saying mines is easier than Willie's. Uh, <laughs> a really short sentence that uh, mines is Tommy T O M M Y N Tommy in Glasgow. And mine's is D89 Martin. If you want to download the pod, you can download it via Acast, iTunes, Podbean, Podcast Addict, um, anywhere you get your pods. Um, and like we said earlier on, playing us out on the pod is Damien Hendry with his song Higher Than Higher. So until next week, everybody, thanks very much for listening and we'll speak to you soon. Cheers, guys. Thanks. All the best. Cheers, guys. If bluebells sing like church bells ring, fight fire with fire, we are not letting go. When songbirds sing, spread out their wings, fight fire.